are welcome to your favorite show, Meets and Legends. In this episode, I'll be telling you the story about Odin, the Allfather, and his son, Thor. I am your favorite narrator and voice artist, Dominic Ako Idoku. Odin, the supreme deity, had besides the title of Allfather many other names. He was called Ye, the Allful, Gagnard, he who determines victories, Herjan, god of battles, Har, the High One, Jafna, even as High, Tridi, Ted, Nikar, one with evasive eyes, Balek, one with flaming eyes, Bolvek, the worker of misfortune, Sig Father, father of battle, Gaut, creator of the great, Raftar, father of the slain, among many other names. Odin was the wisest of all the gods. From him, the others always sought counsel when need arose. He drew wisdom from the well of the giant Mimir. Having placed one of his eyes in pawn with Mimir, Odin invariably appeared as a one-eyed, rather oldish man. Otherwise, he was represented as strong and well-favored, and as armed with spear and shield. In Valhalla and Vingov, where Odin gave banquets to gods and heroes, he himself partook of nothing but wine, which to him was both meat and drink. The meat that was placed before him he gave to his two wolves, Geri and Freki. Odin also had two ravens, Hogin and Munin, meaning thought and memory, which perched one on each of his shoulders. To them he owed a great part of his wisdom. Every day they flew forth through the expanses of the universe, returning at supper to tell him all that they had seen. Therefore Odin was called also the god of ravens. From his high seat, Odin saw all that came to pass. On his horse, which was eight-footed and the fleetest horse in the world, he rode wherever he wished. His spear would strike whatsoever he aimed at. On his arm, he wore the precious ring. From it dropped every ninth night eight other rings as splendid as itself. The worship of Odin appears to have consisted in part in a peculiar kind of human sacrifice, and these circumstances had much to do with our forefathers regarding him as a stern and cruel deity. Just as Odin himself hung upon a gallows, wounded with the trust of a spear, and devoted to himself, so, according to certain legendary narratives, it was a custom to dedicate men to Odin by hanging them on the gallows and piercing them with spears. The skulls thus refer to Odin as a god of hanged men, or the lord of the gallows. He went in person to the gallows three and by means of incantations compelled the hanged man to hold his course with him. An historian of the 11th century, Adam of Bremen, recounts that in the sacrificial groove near the temple 
at Uppsala. Many human bodies hung from the branches of the sacred trees. This record, no doubt, has to do with sacrifices to Odin. With these very sacrifices to Odin, what Snor relates in Yinglinga saga must be closely connected. As the story reads there, Odin, before his death, caused his body to be marked with the point of a spear and dedicated to himself all men who died by force of arms. Njord died of disease, but he let himself be marked for dedication to Odin before he died. Thus, it was possible for Odin to accept human sacrifice not only by means of hanging, but through a ceremonial procedure by which one who wished to avoid dying a natural death made an incision on his body with a spear. And one who advanced to meet an opposing army might, before joining battle, devote the enemy to Odin by hauling a spear over the heads of the hostile forces. With the words, Odin possesses you all. Odin took pleasure in such a sacrifice. To him, it was a matter of great moment to surround himself with as many heroes as possible in preparation for the ultimate warfare against the enemies of gods and men. Among the Arsir, there were several gods of war, but Odin was foremost. From him, Batu took the name of Odin's tempest and Yig's game. The worship of Odin as a supreme deity was not, however, universally prevalent. The cult bound up with his name seems to have come from the south into the north at a comparatively late date. Places names in which the name of Odin forms a compounding element provide valuable aid in determining the limits of Odin worship in various regions. Jord and Frigg were the wives of Odin. His concubines, the giantess, Greeds and Rind. His sons were Thor, Balda, Vidar, Vali, and beside her murder, Hurd and Bragi. All these were numbered among the chief deities. Other sons are Ter, Meli, and Hermod, the messenger sent by the gods to hell upon the death of Balda. Asian kings and princes were proud to count their descent from Odin. For these reasons, other sons were later attributed to him, such as Jord, ancestor of the kings of Denmark, Samin, ancestor of Haloja, the heirs of Laid, Sigi, ancestor of Alsung, among others. Now let's talk about Thor. Next after Odin, the principal deity was Thor. He it was who guarded men and their labors from the wide forces of nature. Personified as a giant, thus he held sway in certain northern regions, over air and climate, over rain and harvest. As a god of fertility, however, he had to divide his rule with the gods of the Vanir. But thunder and lightning always we are the special province of Thor, who according to the Norse myths was constantly engaged in a battle against the giants. 
He rode in a chariot which as it rolled along produced thunder. The chariot was drawn by two goats. These goats tore, could kill and eat, and bring to life once more, provided all the bones were gathered up in the hides. Because Thor usually drove these goats, he was called Writhing Thor. He had other names such as Vinthor, Loridi, Enridi, and so many others. Thor's realm was known as Trogvang. There stood his imposing hall, the largest in the world, comprising 540 rooms. To Thor belonged three objects of price. The most valuable of these was a hammer and Jonlir, which he carried whenever he gave battle to the giants. He could make it as great or as small as he pleased. He could haul it through the air and it always found its mark and return of itself to his hand. Again, he had remarkable iron gauntlets with which to grasp the hammer, and he had a belt of strength which, when he gathered it about him, added to his Asir power. Without her, the Asir would have found no help against the giants. But no sooner did they mention him by name than he gave proof of his prowess. He was wedded to a beautiful sieve of the golden hair. Their children were Meoldi and a daughter named Trude. With the giantess Janaxa he had besides his son called Magni. Thor was hot and hasty of temper. When he rode out to meet the giants, the mountains trembled and the earth burst into flame. When the gods repaired Yagdrasil to hold assembly there, Thor did not trouble himself to cross by way of Bifrost, but took a shorter road on which he waded the deepest streams. The worship of Thor was very widespread throughout the north. Numerous places names bear witness to his cult, and the sagas contain not infrequent accounts of sanctuaries dedicated to Thor or of invocations directed to him. Thor was tall and strong, handsome and dignified, and he had a red beard. Welcome to your favorite show, Meet and Legend. In this episode, I'll be telling you the story about Odin, the Allfather, and his son, Thor. I am your favorite narrator and voice artist, Dominic Ako Idoku.
holding the supreme deity had besides the title of all father many other names. He was called Ye, the awful, Gagnard, he who determines victories, Herjan, gold of battles, Har, the high one, Jaffna, even as high, Tridi, Ted, Nikar, one with evasive eyes, Balek, one with flaming eyes, Bolvek, the walker of misfortune, Sikh father, father of battle, Gaut, creator of the great, Raftar, father of the slain, among many other names. Odin was the wisest of all the gods. From him, the others always sought counsel when need arose. He drew wisdom from the well of the giant Mimir. Having placed one of his eyes in pawn with Mimir, Odin invariably appeared as a one-eyed, rather oldish man. Otherwise, he was represented as strong and well-favored, and as armed with spear and shield. In Valhalla and Vingov, where Odin gave banquets to gods and heroes, he himself partook of nothing but wine, which to him was both meat and drink. The meat that was placed before him he gave to his two wolves, Geri and Freki. Odin also had two ravens, Hogin and Munin, meaning thought and memory, which perched one on each of his shoulders. To them he owed a great part of his wisdom. Every day they flew forth through the expanses of the universe, returning at supper to tell him all that they had seen. Therefore Odin was called also the god of ravens. From his high seat, Odin saw all that came to pass. On his horse, which was eight-footed and the fleetest horse in the world, he rode wherever he wished. His spear would strike whatsoever he aimed at. On his arm, he wore the precious ring. From it dropped every ninth night eight other rings as splendid at itself. The worship of Odin appears to have consisted in part in a peculiar kind of human sacrifice, and these circumstances had much to do with our forefathers regarding him as a stern and cruel deity. Just as Odin himself hung upon a gallows, wounded with the trust of a spear, and devoted to himself, so, according to certain legendary narratives, it was a custom to dedicate men to Odin by hanging them on the gallows and piercing them with spears. The skulls thus refer to Odin as a god of hanged men, or the lord of the gallows. He went in person to the gallows three and by means of incantations compelled the hanged man to hold his course with him. An historian of the 11th century, Adam of Bremen, recounts that in the sacrificial groove near the temple at Uppsala, many human bodies hung from the branches of the sacred trees. This record, no doubt, has to do with sacrifices to Odin. With these very sacrifices to Odin, what Snor relates in Yinglinga saga must be closely connected. As the story reads there, Odin, before his death,
caused his body to be marked with the point of his spear, and dedicated to himself all men who died by force of arms. Njord died of disease, but he let himself be marked for dedication to Odin before he died. Thus, it was possible for Odin to accept human sacrifice not only by means of hanging, but through a ceremonial procedure by which one who wished to avoid dying a natural death made an incision on his body with a spear. And one who advanced to meet an opposing army might, before joining battle, devote the enemy to Odin by hauling a spear over the heads of the hostile forces. With the words, Odin possesses you all. Odin took pleasure in such a sacrifice. To him it was a matter of great moment to surround himself with as many heroes as possible in preparation for the ultimate warfare against the enemies of gods and men. Among the Arsir, there were several gods of war, but Odin was foremost. From him, Batu took the name of Odin's tempest and Yig's game. The worship of Odin as a supreme deity was not, however, universally prevalent. The cult bound up with his name seems to have come from the south into the north at a comparatively late date. Places names in which the name of Odin forms a compounding element provide valuable aid in determining the limits of Odin worship in various regions. Jord and Frigg were the wives of Odin. His concubines, the giantess, Greeds and Rind. His sons were Thor, Balda, Vidar, Vali, and beside Hemarda, Hurd and Brygil, all these were numbered among the chief deities. Other sons are Ter, Meli, and Hermod, the messenger sent by the gods to hell upon the death of Balda. Ancient kings and princes were proud to count their descent from Odin. For these reasons, other sons were later attributed to him, such as Jord, ancestor of the kings of Denmark, Samin, ancestor of Halogia, the heirs of Laid, Sigi, ancestor of Alsung, among others. Now let's talk about Thor. Next after Odin, the principal deity was Thor. He it was who gathered men and their labors from the wide forces of nature. Personified as a giant, thus he held sway in certain northern regions, over air and climate, over rain and harvest. As a god of fertility, however, he had to divide his rule with the gods of the Vanir. But thunder and lightning always were the special province of Thor who, according to the Norse myths, was constantly engaged in a battle against the giants. He rode in a chariot which, as it rolled along, produced thunder. The chariot was drawn by two goats. These goats, Thor, could kill and eat and bring to life once more, provided all the bones were gathered up in the hides. Because Thor usually drove these goats, he was called Writhing Thor. 
He had other names such as Vinthor, Loridi, Enridi, and so many others. Thor's realm was known as Trogvang. There stood his imposing hall, the largest in the world, comprising 540 rooms. To Thor belonged three objects of price. The most valuable of these was a hammer and Jonlir, which he carried whenever he gave battle to the giants. He could make it as great or as small as he pleased. He could haul it through the air and it always found its mark and return of itself to his hand. Again, he had remarkable iron gauntlets with which to grasp the hammer, and he had a belt of strength which, when he gathered it about him, added to his Asir power. Without horror, the Asir would have found no help against the giants, but no sooner did they mention him by name than he gave proof of his prowess. He was wedded to a beautiful sieve of the golden hair. Their children were made oldie and a daughter named Trude. With the giantess Janaxa, he had besides his son called Magni. Thor was hot and hasty of temper. When he rode out to meet the giants, the mountains trembled and the earth burst into flame. When the gods repaired Yagdrasil to hold assembly there, Thor did not trouble himself to cross by way of Bifrost, but took a shorter road on which he waded the deepest streams. The worship of Thor was very widespread throughout the north. Numerous places names bear witness to his cult, and the sagas contain not infrequent accounts of sanctuaries dedicated to Thor or of invocations directed to him. Thor was tall and strong, handsome and dignified, and he had a red beard.